2: Welcome back as we head into hour three. I am Seth Leapson and it is a delight to bring back to the show Sam Stone help you out on your ride home. There you go helping you out on your ride home with Sam Stone. Sam Stone is the host of Breaking Battlegrounds heard here every Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. He's a political consultant in town. How are you Sam? Seth I'm good how are you? I'm doing fine. I was just thinking, you know, uh, I have a few regulars on this show that you know come on uh you know as long as they're in town, such as yourself, and we never really prepare topics or anything. You guys are all just such great polymaths, you know you're 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 wise on many levels. It's a delight to have you, Sam, because I know I can throw anything at you, and we're going to have fun and wisdom at the same time.
1: That's what makes for a fun conversation. That's why I like coming on and chatting with you, Seth.
2: This is going to be a little different of an angle than you might be used to. Okay. You have said a few times on this show, and I've never chased it down with you, that you are, though conservative, a pacifist at heart. You hate war. Yes. And I've always thought that really interesting and wanted to talk to you about it, and it seems to me now is a really good time to talk about it. Because what's going on in the Middle East seems to show, in sharp relief, the distinction between those who want peace and those who want war. And to prevent war, you actually can't put your swords into plowshares just quite yet.
1: And and so I I think I should probably clarify that I am not a pacifist, as in all forms of violence, all types of violence um, are wrong at all. I mean— so, there's that's different. I classify myself more as an anti-interventionist. Yeah. So I think it's one of those cases where I generally view, unless there is a real significant interest of the people of the United States, our security, our safety, our fu- our freedom, and our future economic and and otherwise is at stake, then there's reason to intervene. Otherwise, I generally don't think there is. <clears throat> There is in this case, actually, for so the United States. It's, it's it's one of the interesting things. Ukraine is very much an issue of interest in the future, the economic interest. It's in the interest of the people of all of Europe. But it is not as much in the interest of the people of the United States, whereas uh, the future of the Middle East and of Israel, the only true ally that we have in the Middle East Uh, is a very significant thing. But secondly, I don't believe at all that there should be any restraints on people when they're attacked in terms of saying, well, you know, it has to be proportional. No, I don't believe in a proportional response. The proper response when you're under attack is a disproportionate one. It's one that says, if you ever do this again, you know we will go above and beyond. Don't even think of what will happen the next
2: time agree with everything you've said i guess what i'm pushing here is the notion that for those that want peace in the middle east there is clearly though it has been distorted and though it has been propagandized there is clearly one side that wants nothing but that and one side yeah. that wants nothing but the abuse of civilization let me quote the Israeli Prime Minister, because I think it's true. If the Arabs put down their weapons today, there would be no more violence. If the Jews put down their weapons today, there would be no more Jews.
1: And that's exactly right. And there's a lot of variations of that saying that have come up over the years. But at the end of the day, uh, you're dealing with one group of people that wants to live in the modern world in a pluralistic society that frankly is very open and very welcoming to people of, of every faith, color, and ethnicity. And there's another that is none of those things. And the one that is none of those things engages in out and out murder and terrorism and political violence to try to get their way and their way. Listen to some of what they're saying you know even here in this country you've got some of these more radical types saying oh the future is everyone bows to islam mm-hmm. we're going to force you to do that mm-hmm. so i'm sorry no there is no moral comparison between the two of them whatsoever i i am appalled at the terror denialism of the left i mean it is you know they want to throw around the word denier how about the fact that we even have the White House that has confirmed that these these savages were cutting the heads off babies. And the left says, the New York Times literally says, well, let's not jump to conclusions about that. Are you kidding?
2: There is Are a you pro- kidding me? There is a protest taking place at ASU under the banner of a movement called Students for Justice in Palestine.
1: Which, which is a hardcore organization fund by, funded by the Wahhabists and absolutely believes in Islamic domination and the
2: destruction of the Jewish state. But
1: yes, let's go ahead. Let's let's cheer that on. And I don't see them getting booted off campus.
2: They have a toolkit, the Students for Justice of Palestine. And on the toolkit, in the toolkit, let me read it to you directly, just put out for these very protests on college campuses this week. Our people are actualizing revolution. Palestine will be liberated from the river... To the sea. Do people know what that means? What it means is no. not the West Bank. Right. What it means is not Gaza. It means Tel Aviv. It means Haifa. It means genocide. It means the end of Israel. And it, it means all of Israel. Yes. It means all of Israel. From the river to the sea is the chant, meaning all of Israel. That protest is taking place at ASU right now. Michael Crow has said nothing about it. By the way, they planned one at U of A. Bobby Robbins, the president of U of A, denounced it and it stopped. They didn't go forward with it. Michael Crow is missing in action.
1: And thank you to Chancellor or President Robbins for standing up, for having actual principle and demonstrating it at a critical moment. And Michael Crow got to go. I mean, this, this guy has no business anymore leading Arizona State University. He has no moral compass. He has no courage, and he has no willingness to step up against the radical terrorist-supporting nutbags that are down there protesting right now for this, he has no business leading the university in this state or anywhere else.
2: These are calls for genocide, calls to genocide. What what are we teaching 18 and 19 and 20 and 21-year-olds, Sam? I mean, there's a quote in in a story today over at... um, uh, There's a quote today in a story that uh, Bram Resnick put up with a student who said Hamas represents the Palestinian cause, so we cannot denounce Hamas. Why? How hard is it for a student to not denounce a genocidal organization whose charter claims the moral high ground of genocide against Jews? How is this difficult?
1: Well, it shouldn't be. But first off, these are, I mean, I've talked about this before, but we now have multiple generations that have been deliberately miseducated on a social justice agenda, and they are deeply confused about things in the real world. They do not understand anything that they think they understand. Okay. So one of the things, you know, let's go down some of the things that they call Israel. They say it's an apartheid state. Right. Okay. There's no, that is patently, absolutely, provably untrue in every capacity. They're citizens of Israel proper who are Muslim, there are citizens who are of Arab background, of backgrounds of the entire world. There's absolutely nothing about Israel that is an apartheid state. They simply keep a wall between themselves and the West Bank and Gaza because the people in those communities keep trying to kill them. That's not the same. That's not, that's not apartheid. Secondly, genocide. If the Israelis wanted to yesterday, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, today— They could bomb the West Bank and Gaza entirely out of existence. They they could make sure that not a single living being was left in either of those areas. Absolutely could do it without question. But they've never, ever done anything of the sort. When they're actually about to bomb a building where Hamas is using that building as a headquarters, they alert the people in that building to get out before they blow it up. So it's absolutely ridiculous calling Gaza the world's largest prison or penal colony. Well, wait a minute. Gaza is bordered by three things. It's bordered by Israel. It's bordered by the ocean. And it's bordered by Egypt. Egypt doesn't want them either. No no Muslim-majority country in the Middle East is saying, hey, let's carve out some space and take those poor Palestinians. They know what they're dealing with they would probably, very quietly, publicly, they would denounce Israel. But if Israel went ahead and just wiped Gaza and the West Bank off the map, you know what would, would happen in the uh, with the leadership of all these other countries around the Middle East? They would go in their back rooms and they would toast each other. Sam say, Stone, yeah, let me take our our a quick problem.
2: break. You're doing, a, you're doing an interesting service by going down these lines. Sam Stone is my guest, political consultant here in town, and uh, host of the Breaking Battlegrounds radio show, heard here every 3 p.m. on Saturdays. He and I will be right back. Sam Stone is my guest, uh, political consultant, radio host in his own right, talking about the goings-on in the Middle East and uh, their manifestations here. Sam, you're making an interesting point. If everything that has been said by the progressive and Marxist left about Israel— We're true. You know, it's interesting. Most people probably turn on their televisions in the morning of late, whether it's CNN or Fox or what have you, to see what the latest is. And they have these scenes of Gaza and um, you see huge amounts of property undisturbed. You see tons of buildings standing with a building here smoking and a building there demolished. And it, it, it's interesting because I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people on Monday or Tuesday were prepared to turn on their TV and see no urban civilization in Gaza whatsoever, no building standing, and they would have been okay with it.
1: But I think Israel, Israel might have made a mistake in not exactly doing that. If this is the one time I think they could have just gotten away with it, and the world sentiment would have been like, eh, okay, fine. Um, sure, they would have taken a lot of heat at the UN, but but at the end of the day, um, you know, look, they, they have a problem. They have a major problem where the population of these two areas is taught from a very young age to want to try to kill Jews, to hate Jews, to to view them as evil, you know, as satanic and demonic. And so, again, I mean, you know, we were going over the list of all the, the claims that are made by the leftists about Israel you know, one after another, genocide, apartheid, world's largest prison, the naval blockade. This is no such thing. It's literally just a border checkpoint where they try to find, you know, find the weapons and then they let everything else through. Um, You know, they're running around saying, oh, Hamas isn't the Palestinian people. Well, they voted for it. I mean, they did vote for it. So even today, Hamas is the most popular political group. And the other ones, Fatah and the PLO, are only slightly less vile. So literally, the vast majority of that population are supporting terrorists directly. The the reason
2: Mahmoud Abbas is sitting in his umpteenth four-year term without an election, I think he's in his 18th year term, right, 18th year of his four-year term, the reason he won't hold an election is because he's concerned that Hamas would take his party out.
1: It would. would, uh, Every public opinion survey of Gazan and West Bank citizens shows that Hamas would win and remove Fatah, which is, uh, you know. And realistically, these groups are only separate because the d- different people profit off of the, the suffering of their people. I mean, the leaders of Hamas all live in Qatar in enormous luxury. The leaders of Fatah don't live in the West Bank either. I mean, none of these people, they are using the citizens of these places. And look, Israel, to solve this problem, may need to take some type of fairly drastic action, and it might not even be military. What they might need to do is just go in and say, we're going to take everything over. We're not going to make you citizens of Israel anytime soon. We're going to spend 20, 30, 40 years before we create that opportunity for you. And we're going to re-educate. You know, we're going to educate your children not to hate Jews. We're, we're going to run the schools. We're going to run, we're going to run the TV stations. We're going to run the radio. We're going to. I mean, otherwise, I don't know how you get around this, and I don't know how you de-radicalize a population whose most popular children's program teaches children to kill Israeli children.
2: Yeah. I um, you know, I I'm 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 obsessed with the youth in our country on a very wide range of and set of issues how they learn and what they learn among them and it bothers me to no end that they are being miseducated when they hear for example alexandria ocasio-cortez today state that israel is engaged in ethnic cleansing this is so easy to do i mean if you just look at the growth of the arab population in israel from 1960 to 2020 it grew by 5.1 million people it grew by right. 5.1 million people, the entire population, including Gaza and the West Bank, the entire population of Israel is 9 million people. There,
1: there is nothing remotely resembling the truth in the less talking points about Israel.
2: And, and unfortunately,
1: they've been very pervasive. I mean, I have a group of friends that I, I play a, a kind of online board game. It's a, a you know deep strategy and, and numbers kind of thing. But anyway, we were talking in our, our little group yesterday. And you know these are very normal people. They're not terribly political, but they, you know, they're like, well, they they just killed Arabs randomly. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, 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 they they
2: don't. Yeah.
1: In fact, no. the only time they, they kill put them in an Arab parliament and on the Supreme crime. Court, yeah. they put them on the Supreme right.
2: Court is what they do.
1: Yeah. So there's no genocide. There's no ethnic cleansing. There's no apartheid. It's not a prison. It's not blockaded. Uh, and and the citizens did vote for this and support it. I'm sorry. Let's start dealing with the facts of the world as they actually exist, and the left is terrible with that.
2: Remember the Boston Marathon bombing, 2013, mm-hmm. I think it was? There was a profile of uh, one of the young bombers, uh, Zohar, or Jahar, his nickname, Tsarnaev, the Tsarnaev brothers. And people were asking in this Rolling Stone piece on them why mm-hmm. and how they, you know growing up and going to elite schools in Massachusetts could engage in this kind of behavior and this kind of thinking. They interviewed a teacher at one of these schools, one of these um, one of these very elite uh, prep schools in Boston. And he said something really interesting. I'm looking at it now. I've always kept this tab up because I think it explains so much about what our children learn. He, you may not agree with every part of this, but I'd love your feedback. I thought it was perceptive. He's talking about these young Kids like the Tsarnaevs and probably like the kind that are marching at ASU today. He says, "Quote: The problem with this demographic is that they do not know the basic narratives of their histories or really any narratives. They're blazed on paw and search the internet for any little factoids that they believe fit their highly dehistoricized and decontextualized ideologies. And the adult world totally misunderstands them and dismisses them, and does so at our collective peril. I think that's it." I think that's it.
1: I I don't disagree with one word of that. I, I don't at all. And you know, I mean, look, this was. There's so much about this that goes back to the writings of Karl Marx, Young, the Communist sure. Manifesto. Um, you know, the works of the radical socialists of the 60s here. Uh, Where really what it comes down to is that they have chosen very carefully to deliberately miseducate these kids, to dehistoricalize them, to take the context away, to rob them of any sense of self, as Mm -hmm. a matter, you know, for that matter, and to replace it with a desperate ideology Mm -hmm. that feeds off of perceived slights. and that is desperate to be offended
2: mm-hmm.
1: all the time
2: mm-hmm.
1: and desperate to, to demand that everything that doesn't conform with their preferred worldview is removed from their sight. And it is the most infantilizing cultural shift imaginable, and it is definitely happening at the extreme peril of our nation and the Western world.
2: I want to pick up on that when we come back, especially this issue of microaggressions and real aggressions on our college campuses. You understand our college campuses as well as anyone, Sam Stone. Let me also put in a word for those driving home. If you're in the neighborhood, there is a rally for Israel on Scottsdale Road and Camelback Road, I've been informed of, and if you're interested in stopping by and being there, they're going till 6 o'clock, a rally for Israel. You won't get it at ASU, but you might get it on Scottsdale and Camelback. We'll be right back. Sam Stone is my guest. You can follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Sam the Paul. S A M, first name the definite article, poll, P O L for pol- po- political, uh, politically interested person. Sam the Paul. He's also the host of Breaking uh, Battlegrounds, heard here every Saturday afternoon at three. Sam, let's talk about the campuses and microaggressions. Um, you were tw- uh, on your Twix account. You were uh, referencing something really fascinating that Barry Weiss wrote. Uh, I think over at the Free Press, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, campus cowardice and where the buck stops. Microaggressions are met with moral condemnation, but actual violence is tolerated and glorified. Um, you are seeing well, this right now. Violence yeah. actual violence, it's by the right people. Yeah, okay. Go with that. Yeah.
1: Go yeah, that. I mean, so this is the thing, and this is where, this is to me kind of the most dangerous thing. This whole words are violence yeah, idea right. is bunk to begin with, right? Right, right. Um, words are not violence. Violence is violence.
2: Right. Unless I it's mostly you in peaceful. Face. I mean, this is all so damn Orwellian. I'm glad you're going here. Go ahead. Go
1: right. Ahead. Um, if, if I punch you in the face, that's violence. Right. <clears throat> if I call you names, that's not violence. That's just me being a jerk. Right. And, it, you know, we, we treat now, college campuses treat words as physical violence. Mm-hmm. You hear the phrase all the time, By the left, whenever they hear something they don't like, that it's creating an unsafe environment
2: for them. That's right. You use the wrong pronoun. You use a Chinese word the wrong way. If you're a professor at USC, right? Any number of these things. Any number of these things. Yep. And so then, when you, but then the
1: contrast to that is like what happened here with Israel, where you see mass violence, but it's committed by the wrong people, mm-hmm. right? You they, You know, it's committed by, or in their view, the right people. Mm-hmm. And then it's somehow acceptable. Right. And so this is, I mean, realistically, this is where we look at in history, the dictatorships, the autocracies, this is how they come to be, right? It's not what's happening on the right. The left, I, I really believe almost everything the left says about Republicans and about the right is projection. Right. They're, they're projecting their own selves onto us and just accusing us of being who they are. And so when you look at all of this, in history, when this happens, when you decouple a, a society from its history. Mm-hmm. When you decouple it from its religion, when you decouple it from its moral principles and values, that society becomes ripe for authoritarian revolution of some, of some type. Right. Uh, you can put it under whatever banner you would like, whether it's the Nazis, National Socialist, whether it's the Italian fascist version, whether it's the Soviet communist version. They are all at heart the exact same thing, just slightly different economic systems underlying them. They are author- authoritarian dictatorships that are top-down driven, and where people are put through the ringer for anything even resembling uh, resistance to the regime. Mm-hmm. And what do we see over and over here? Now? Look at what look at what Biden's doing and his DOJ and their prosecutions of Trump. Right. which are purely political. Look at what they're doing in their prosecutions of the J6 defendants versus what they did for all the people who were just given a free pass for burning down our cities in the George Floyd protests.
2: Well, there are people in J6 prisons and jail cells for being in the wrong place at the wrong time, for not really saying anything. Meanwhile, the FBI is observing and doing nothing about students marching for genocide on our college campuses. Right. Yeah, okay, just so we understand the dichotomy
1: the left is really leading us down a path that is historically very well trod and it is you know, it it is mortared with blood. Mm -hmm. And that's how they mix the mortar for these autocracies. And that's the path they're leading us down. And these children who are so historically miseducated, and you brought in the other element to it, which is the internet, right?
2: Yes, yes, yes.
1: Which allows you to research almost anything and and to pull almost any information you want but that allows you to be very selective about the information and this is a blindness that i'm not going to limit to the left this is a blindness that happens on our side also you bet um is that you know we have we have gone away from understanding that there are such things as universal truths right And facts
2: and facts. facts. Can we pick up on this on the other side? Such a big issue. And you and I were actually it's actually a nice adjunct or coda really to um, to the topic we were talking about last week, which was the the blessings and curses of social media. Sam Stone and I'll be right back. Sam the Paul on Twix. Breaking Battlegrounds every Saturday at 3 p.m. here. Be right back. Welcome back to The Seth Leibson Show. Sam Stone is my guest, political consultant, radio host. Um, Sam, thanks for staying with us. We were talking about how young people uh, propagandize and become propagandized, uh, and it's a problem, as you rightly put, on the right and the left. And it's perhaps not just young people, though we're talking about them right now, just given the college campus situation. And you were about to validate what this one prep school teacher was saying in Boston about the Tsarnaev brothers is, you know, you can you can with a with a with a dehistoricized context going in. You can search the Internet for tidbits of information that fit the narrative you want, but not necessarily are factual or historically accurate. Right. That's what you were saying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, Seth, people go on the Internet in large
1: numbers these days. And convince themselves, based on the information that's there, that the world is flat. Mm -hmm. If you can convince yourself that the world is flat, you can convince yourself of anything. I mean, this is really where we're at. There is a whole issue now where anybody's preconceptions can be radicalized and reinforced via the Internet. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't be such a danger. There was a, a, a great back and forth on Twitter uh, Twix, whatever. Uh, earlier today, I was seeing with um, a couple of different. Prof- it was actually a couple of professors arguing back and forth. Um, but you know, one of the points that uh, one of them was making, or it, it, in, in a third person in the conversation, was a journalist. And one of the points that one of the professors made, which I thought was really profound, is sure the internet fuels a lot of misinformation. There's always been a lot of misinformation in the world. What's different today is that the New York Times, the Washington Post, and these others don't provide a counterbalance anymore.
2: That's right. That's right. There
1: is no counterbalance, right? right? We can't go to the nightly news and see a, a just an actual news program, a summation of the truth. You have NBC right to this afternoon denying a lot of what's going on in Israel. Right, right. You know, so now these are just, additional outlets for that kind of radicalized very limited vision and it's incredibly dangerous it's it's incredibly pernicious
2: it, it's the yes the lack of a good historical background the lack of the ability to discern right from wrong or truth from fiction all huge Uh, And I think half the coin, the other half of the coin you were beginning to talk about with me in the previous segment as well, which I think is the weaponization of words, like you were saying, this notion that words are violence. Um, I keep a whole Orwellian growing list, Sam, because Orwell thought, and rightly so, that you can change words, you can change the world. That's how 1984 opens, isn't it? War is peace, uh, slavery is freedom, ignorance is strength. I have a whole list, and it starts with um, that uh, speech is violence. Um, How about the violence that we see before our very eyes is mostly peaceful? How about peacefully and patriotically marching is insurrection how about this one um gender affirming it's actually gender changing i mean you can change a society by the corruption of words you can change a society
1: and the left has taken that lesson deeply to heart right i I was reading this morning about a an investigator in canada a police woman who was investigating a spate of sudden sudden infant death Uh and one of the questions she asked the parents in, you know, in each case was had those children received any vaccinations recently. Uh Now, that's not the focus of her investigation. She's just investigating all these deaths, Uh right? Uh But she was reported for that. Demoted, taken off. I mean, you know, they're trying to get rid of her. Because she asked the wrong question. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And this is when you combine that with the changing of words, right, with an ever- changing meaning of Mm terms, what you get is a society that is wholly dependent on authoritarian leadership to dictate what they can think and can do. And and the reason for that is very simple. People will retreat to that as a defense. Well look, if I just do exactly what they tell me when they tell me if I say the things they tell me to say, then i'll be okay and right. and I don't have to worry anymore that I'm inadvertently going to say the wrong thing and end up with you know the country prosecuting me and people coming sure. down on me sure. and so that is how they gain compliance, and this is a really key time to not comply and and by the way, Seth, before we get to the end of this, and this is from I've visited Israel a number of times, I have a lot of friends there. Um, Let me pass this out. They said take the warning about tomorrow very seriously. Yeah. Um, So, folks, be aware tomorrow of where you are and what you're doing. Keep your eyes up. And your head up. Okay, I, I think that's actually important. I don't okay. know how much time we have left. Yeah, up, but... we
2: got about three minutes. You can spend some time on this if you want. There's there's yeah, a call I, I... to world jihad for tomorrow.
1: There's a call to world jihad. And we don't want to overstate and... it, but we don't want
2: to understate it.
1: No, I, I'm look. I'm not telling everyone to go arm up and and you know go out in posse's and hunt down the bad guys. All right, let's not get ridiculous. But just be aware that this, particularly tomorrow, and then also the following Friday. Um, you know, you just don't want to be let your guard down in this situation. You do want to be aware, especially because one of the guests we're having on Breaking Battlegrounds this weekend, Anna Giretelli of, of the Washington Examiner, Homeland Security reporter, has been reporting a lot on uh, all the traffic coming over the border that isn't coming from Latin America, mm-hmm. that is now coming from the Middle East, from Africa, and a lot of radicalized Islamic countries. So there's a lot of people here. We don't know who they are. We don't know what their intentions are. The idea that there can and will be attacks here and elsewhere around the globe is extremely plausible.
2: Well, let's uh, take Hamas at their word and stop uh, ignoring, um, ignoring what they say is just so much boastful uh, br- uh, br- uh, bragging. Uh, their charter calls for the elimination of Israel. They seek to hunt down and kill Jews wherever they live. And yesterday um, they called for a day of rage tomorrow tomorrow. Um, they called for a day of rage less than a week after their movement did what you said they were doing earlier, which was a, which was decapitating babies in front of their living moms, so the mom could see it before they would kill the yep. mom. This is this is the movement that is calling for a day of rage. You think you might want to take that a little bit seriously? I'd take it at least a little bit seriously.
1: I think everyone needs to take that very seriously. And And, you know, look, this is, This is one of the issues with uncontrolled immigration. You know, you and I, Seth, and I think we've talked about this before, I am certainly not against immigration. I, I think it's a good thing that we have very high levels of legal immigration. I think that's helped this country tremendously over the years. I think it continues to help us into the future. However, not knowing who is coming into your country is a security weakness that is almost unfathomable to allow in this era because we know what a handful of people who simply overstayed their visas and learned to to very poorly fly airplanes were capable of
2: i um it doesn't yeah, take much no it that, that and that was 19 it. that's 19 could do that 19 people could do that with right. on on a budget by the way on a whole entire operational budget of less than a million dollars
1: right it does not take a whole lot. And we've just released a huge amount of money. All these Democrats yep. that are trying to say that the money that was released to Iran didn't have a part in this. I'm sorry. A, they don't know anything about economics or budgeting. But that's been clear for a long time. But B, just get out. That's the, that's the most absurd talking point there is. Iran is the globe's number one funder of terrorism.
2: terrorism and when you hand them billions of dollars, some of that money is going to get spent on terrorists. Kerry said it. Lincoln said it. And you know who else said it? The president of Iran said it. Sam Stone, thanks, man. Sorry that it was uh, a little bit more of a dolorous uh, hour with you, but I appreciate your brain anyway. Thank you, sir.
1: No, everyone out there, stay
2: strong. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Portions are brought to you by our good friends at Refi. They're based uh, on Scottsdale Road in the 101. You can uh, feel free to stop by and visit them uh, anytime you might like during working hours. They'd love to see you. They won't give you a sales pitch or ask you to sign a thing. They leave the selling up to me. What does Y-Refi offer? They offer an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the Federal Reserve or the stock market. It's an investment where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it. Uh, whatever you like, and there's no penalty if you need your money back at any time. No fees in this secure and collateralized portfolio from Y Refi. They are a due diligence approved firm, and you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10 and a quarter percent fixed rate of return. So do check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest the letter Y, then R E F Y dot com give them a call about 888-YREFI-24, 888-YREFI-24. Speech is not violence, as Sam said, quite right. It can be used to encourage violence. It can be used to incite violence. But it is not in and of itself violence. Uh, and this this comes from, you know, someone in the profession and have having been in the adult profession, uh, been in the profession my entire adult life, of considering the importance of words, which is to say the importance of language and the meaning of words. Aristotle pointed out long ago that the use of language and the ability to use language gives us our ability to reason, and it is what distinguishes us from any other forms of life, the human animal. George Orwell understood this problem of the corruption of language. You change words, you can change the world, he said. The meaning of words, you change the meaning of the world, which is what we're seeing right now with this indiscriminate, gross use and abuse of language, particularly when it comes to what's going on in the Middle East. Ethnic cleansing, apartheid, you name it. Difference between who the aggressor and who the victim is. But about a hundred years before Orwell wrote about it, Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote about it, and he wrote in an essay that a man's power to connect his thought with its proper symbol and so to utter it depends on the simplicity of his character, that is, upon his love of truth and his desire to communicate it without loss. He went on to write, the corruption of man is followed by the corruption of language, when simplicity of character and the sovereignty of ideas is broken up by the prevalence of secondary desires like power and duplicity and falsehood take place simplicity of tr- over the simplicity of truth, power itself becomes nothing more than the interpretation of will, and old words become perverted to stands, stand for things which they are not. It's a powerful point. The corruption of man is followed by the corruption of language. We are dealing with a lot of corruption here, folks, particularly amongst our propagandized and miseducated youth, which is the responsibility of our propagandizing adults. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth. Class is dismissed.